Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! You see how the music makes it kind of pump uppy? It's good. It's good music. It's good. It feels pump up. I made that music. What's up, everybody? This is The Fizzle Show. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Reeves, entrepreneur extraordinaire, if you can believe it, <laughs> but mostly dancing monkey of the creative entrepreneurship space, because this podcast is about is about people who are earning a living doing something that they care about. All right. Either you're on the path towards that, like you, you've already started, or you've just got a dream to start, wherever you are, or you might be, you know, funding your kid's college through the the money you made doing your own entrepreneur voodoo. Why did I, I don't know why I went with voodoo. I guess there is a little bit of a dark arts to entrepreneurship sometimes. But that's what this show's for. Entrepreneurship, independent, creative, zesty... How do you live life on your own terms whilst trying to do your own business? That's what the Fizzle Show is about, and it's called Fizzle because most businesses actually fizzle out. Most creative ideas fizzle out, right? And so, how do we how do we make a difference between how do we not how do we not end up as a fizzled out example? What makes the difference between people who have actually succeeded and and found a sustainable vision for their business? for their creative output that actually earns income for their earning a living they found a sustainable way to do it what makes the difference between those ones and the countless others who are you know actively fizzling out or were a mistake to try in the first place or uh were something that we even regret trying maybe later on right that's what the fizzle show is all about and today we have a very special episode We have a very special episode. We are joined by none other. And are you ready for this, listeners? Some longtime listeners have been waiting for this for a very long time. We are joined by none other than my wife, Melissa Reeves. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) My wife. (laughs) See, she's boratting at you. That's how cool this lady is. Um, So on the show today, it's just Melissa Melissa Reeves and myself, because uh, all of my other partners in Fizzle uh, in the Fizzle Show could not could not actually make it to do a podcast this week. So, so it's something that we've mentioned on the show a handful of times. The fact that my wife has launched, she's created a podcast, and uh, and that's been going for how long now? How many months has Mother Birth been going? About fifteen months. Okay, so a little over a year. Um, has has some progress there, but not by any means like some massive success or anything, right? It's not like 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 people are like, How? oh, where are you stuffing the money? Do you, do you know? It's yeah. mo- it's been a labor of of having these most these very important conversations, and then and then it's slowly growing over time, right? And then she just and like I said, we've mentioned this a few times on the show now, the last few episodes. She's just recently created her first course and has been selling it. She actually pre-sold it before she even had any of the course material recorded yet, which we'll get into here because I think it's a really big hack on how to get your butt moving and actually make the content one of the hardest things in in this whole project of creating a course. So on this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what she's learned from launching this, what really what we've learned from launching this course. I have been involved in, in uh, small, but meaningful ways, but it's mostly been Melissa doing everything. 
But we're going to talk about what we've learned in creating a course, course and launching it into a podcast that is, that has like how many downloads are you sh- comfortable sharing where Mother Birth's downloads are? I I, I didn't clear this with Melissa before <laughs> before pressing record. Ten million uh-huh. an episode. No, we have like three to five thousand downloads an episode. Okay, so not nothing, mm-hmm. not nothing at all. Right, a lot of people would would dream of having that many listeners to an episode, um, and, and yet vast majority of, of audiences or businesses that are making lots and lots of money, like they have lo- they have big audiences or they have big cash coming in and they're paying for advertising and getting into audiences that way. And you haven't done either of those, right? And yet you still got something of a su- what, what what we will call something of a success on our hands. Does that sound fair? Fair. Fair. So first of all, take us back. Um, so anyways, listener, just to let you know, we're going to get into a lot of tips about that kind of stuff. Creating a course, uh, what we've learned around around creating the content of the course when we sell the course um how how we uh how we actually make the content how we how we compare and contrast all the tools and the options available out there for when you need to put a course out there so if you're thinking of making a course this is going to be a super helpful conversation so babe take me back to uh i should on the air i should call you melissa so melissa i prefer professional (laughs) so melissa uh, i apologize i apologize just another white man saying, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Okay. <laughs> it was my fault. Take me back to what is mother birth about? It's, it's really about exploring the transition to motherhood, but even more deeply than that, the transformation of motherhood and, and allowing and making a lot of space for that. It, we as women are are the ones really changing and really being birthed. Mm. And yes, we birth children and they are a really important part of that. But the transformation, the the rite of passage, the portal that motherhood is, is, is extremely transformational. Mm. And there's so much in our culture that disconnects us from really allowing that transformation to happen. And so... Our goal is through through storytelling and through really giving women the space to to find themselves in stories that are both like theirs and very very different than theirs. This this common thread, this common theme of of really being changed by the experience. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a very important topic. Like, does it feel like a very important topic to you? It feels very important to me. Yes. Like on a scale of like. One to ten, how important would you say for you personally and for the world in general? What do you think? Seventy-two. Seventy-two? <laughs> like way past ten? Yeah. So it's something you care a great deal about. Yeah. What is it that, that matters so much to you about this mission of mother birth? I mean, for me, it's just because of my own personal story. And for me, my transition to motherhood was and has been the most difficult to the most challenging and yet also the most empowering experience of my life and so i've seen both how how disconnected and how painful it can be and also how life-giving it can be Mm. and and the contrast between those two is really where i think the the enlightenment is Mm -hmm. so Part of me wants to kind of deep dive on on understanding more about why this matters so much. Like, like in the world, like why does it matter to you that other women think about mothering or have talk about 
the transition into because motherhood. Because I see that women are in pain. Mm. I see that women and families and those relationships are, that the stakes are high in the sense that people are in pain mm. and and the ways that that manifests in their lives and in those relationships can be so, so damaging to everyone what is, What's the pain? The pain is is isolation. The pain is um, confusion, lack of, lack of um, awareness or ability to, to follow your own intuition about everything from, you know, day-to-day choices about parenting to some of the bigger, more ideological things that we face, like who are we now and how do we, how do we re-engage with work? How do we um, sustain our own relationships? How do we, how do we create or, or shape or influence these human beings that have been entrusted to us. Mm. And there's so there, people experience so much pain around those things. They yeah. are so lost. Mm-hmm. Mm. I bring, I, I, I love, I, I want to get the listener like sort of in that mindset of like what, the fact that you care about this and what, cause the course is in, is aligned with a topic that isn't just like, I wonder, wonder how to get, wonder how to get cobwebs gone. There's a new cobweb <laughs> remover. You got to see it. It's terrific. <laughs> right? There, these are some cobwebs of sorts. Yeah. But like and and I and I and I value removing cobwebs, but this is also this is all something that like is in a category that is very it's very challenging. It's very serious in some ways. It's very like deep. Um and I bring that I, I like hearing about that so that people can get on the same page when we're talking about the course, but also because I guess because it's my episode and I get to talk about whatever the hell I want to. And I want entrepreneurs to come to me more often with something they really care about. Yeah. I want entrepreneurs to come to me more often with an idea that they're very afraid of, but they know they have to pursue. Yeah. I want entrepreneurs to come at at me more often with, um, without, more often not from a place that, that feels opportunistic. Whatever that word means, because obviously in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to be opportunistic, don't you? It's this weird mix of like where you decide. Seeing possibility, seeing opportunity. Seeing possibility, seeing opportunity. But do you find for yourself that, that on a topic that's so, that you care so much about, do you find yourself with the language that, the, that I, that I want to say is like prostituting or, you know, like, like, Mm. do you find yourself, um, Alan Watts, I think it's actually not Alan. I heard it from Alan Watts. I think it's an old Buddhist sort of line, but it's like, I promise to, I promise to abstain from exploiting my passions. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that conflict and I definitely feel the weight of that in my life. I mean, for me, my background is, you know, with over a decade in real estate, a time which, I mean, that was a very authentic, genuine expression of who I was. And it was, it was a career that I loved and was very, very successful at. So I know how to build something. I know how to scale something. I know how to make something profitable. I know how to put my whole self into something Mm. to the extent that it, it takes more from me than I have to give. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've both lived through that. I think that when I stepped away from real estate that I, it was so important to me that I orient my life in a very different way. And so for me, of course, I 
when I when I think of Mother Bertha, when I think of this course, it's not that I don't want it to be profitable, but I approach it very differently because I've I've been on the side of something that is growing wildly and you know can't really be stopped, mm. and I know what that what that cost me. Yeah. So I'm I'm very willing to I'm very willing to approach things in a way that that allows for a slower burn. It mm-hmm. allows for really, really constant calibration of whether this is the right fit and whether I'm showing up in the right way. Interesting. So why why do you think that slow burn is important? I mean, I don't even know that it's that it has to be important for everyone, but for me, it is because of a the nature of the the work that I'm doing. How so? Because it's it is it's heart work. It's soul work. I'm working with people around some of the deepest and in many cases, most tragic experiences of their life. And Mm -hmm. so this isn't something that I can inherently scale in on some levels, right? If I want that, if I want to maintain that personal connection, if I want to sustain the kind of impact that, that feels right to me, Mm -hmm. then that's, that's a different model than, than some than someone else may be going for. Yeah. And and then secondly because I I have seen what being so fully fully all in mm-hmm. on something has cost me and what it has cost me is is time and presence and and engagement with my family and with my community. Yeah. And I can't I can't and won't sacrifice that. And it doesn't mean there aren't moments or days where I sense that I am doing that or heading towards that. But I have, you know, the instruments are so much more finely tuned that I, when when the needle moves, I sense it right away. Which needle specifically? Would it help me understand? The needle of, of, of losing connection. Mm. With your family? With my family, with, with myself, with my own ability to, to sense my environment's needs, including my own, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. So that's why you, uh, you're okay with this idea. It almost seems like I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing just as we're talking now that that idea of the slow, the slow burn, mm. that is, that's maybe a mindset that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. For instance, I don't have that mindset around things when I'm learning, like I'm on, like, like on the, the quote unquote, like enlightenment path or something like that, or working with this structural integration body guy. Like I want it to go fast. Yeah. I want it to happen yesterday. I wanted to go, I want to go like, here, man, I'm paying you well. Like I want this fixed right now. I'm realizing that I have that desire and that, and he's sitting there going like, dude, you, you, you will heal as fast as you will heal. Well, you, you feel it's not just a desire, it's a perceived right. It's, you, it's almost entitlement. You, Are yeah, you saying you, that about me in particular? No, never. <laughs> I, I would never. I would never say that about you. I barely know you. <laughs> what do you mean, though? Keep going. Excuse me, sir. I barely know you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, entitlement might be a good word for it. But when you, I think that any person, when they feel like they have put in the work mm-hmm. and, and when they... reflectively can say, yes, I've shown up how I need to show up. There's a sense of like, I have a right to this. I have a right to this success or to this growth or to this. um, But I feel that about what success that I've, I've, I've accomplished 
to me, the hard thing is, is in like, oh, this is going to take a while. Or I don't even think like, oh, this is going to take a while. I just go like, I want it now. I'm Veruca Salt. Like I want the whole thing. I want, I want it now, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not, I'm drawing the distinction between things I've already accomplished and I feel the, the sort of strength or the confidence about, which I think that is something maybe we don't do enough of either. Yeah. You know, some it, people do too much, it, totally. right? Some people do too much. And most of us in, in, thoughtful most of the people i hang out with i'll put it that way don't do enough of that feeling yeah, most strong of us are on one side or the other of that and i think both are cultural problems right right yeah. and and to be clear we're talking about not celebrate not not like what have you accomplished what have you accomplished like write it down yeah. i have done this like i am i am someone who did this you know uh, like i almost want to say like i am somebody Like I do matter, right? There's that. And then there's the future thing, which is like, okay, so I have this goal. I have this thing I want. I have this desire. Mm -hmm. I have this dream to do. I want to have a podcast. I want to be able to create a course that is successful or whatever, right? You're talking about having this slow burn, being able to know that like, and that's one of the things as I've been watching you make all of this stuff from the beginning of mother birth to now, um, it has been like this, this sense of like, well, this that needs to be done. So I'm going to do it. And like, you find your way through it, you figure it out. You get very frustrated in times when it's like technical and you don't understand how the bits and bobs go together. And then you come to me and then I'm frustrated because I'm like too busy as well. But then, but I can easily fix those technical bits, bits and bobs for you. You know, um, I don't know why I'm working out our relationship on tape right now. <laughs> doesn't make any sense it does the 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 point i'm getting to is if i can if i can pull myself back there is this concept of the slow burn and we should move on in a second but like uh, how important do you think that that has been i think it's really important for me because I, and if you can maybe maybe explain what do you mean by slow burn i just mean allowing something to grow how it's going to organically grow and and in a way that allows me to to both show up to that thing how I need to, but also show up to the rest of my life how I need to. Mm. And and that sustainability is really, really key for me. And I think that, you know, as a woman and as a mother, I that may be on my radar more than it is for for other people who are listening to the show who, you know, who don't have children or who who don't have, you know, some of those those key relationships in their life that that have that impact. But to me that is is a really important thing. And it's a thing I explore with a lot of women in talking around career and around creativity and around entrepreneurship for women is this idea that we don't have to show up to the, you know, the career table in the same way that men do. And in the same way that has always been expected of women. And, you know, recently on our show, we talked to the woman who, who put it better than I've ever heard anyone say. And she said that, you know, feminists fought so hard to be at, the working table. But what they fought for was they fought to be in a system and in a structure that was designed for men who had full-time support at home. So mm. it doesn't, it doesn't compute. It doesn't actually distill mm. down to anything that's sustainable. Wow. That's a big idea. Wow. It's huge. It's, it's so huge. And it's I so feel true. Like I've been struggling to articulate it that way for years. I, in, you know, in over a decade in real estate, it, the entire time struggled with that that concept and that balance because even even in the height of that success and and even my enjoyment of that success i felt the constant conflict and the constant um you know disconnect between what i was building over here and what it was costing me at home Mm -hmm. and i don't want to suggest to anyone that's listening that 
that career and motherhood are not compatible. That's not the point at all. The point is that you have to find a way to make it work for you. You don't have to buy into to the system. And I think especially for people that are listening who are creative entrepreneurs or who want to be on that path, that this is probably one of the most seminal ways that you can be creative as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many ways that we think about creativity. We think about our, our work as creative, but what about the creativity of actually structuring our, our approach and our work to Mm -hmm. be how we want it to be. So coming back to the slow burn, I would say that for me, that really looks like, and you know, I think, I think a lot of people in in this space have have come to the conclusion that the word balance is a bit of an illusion, but heading in that direction, what it, what is sustainable? What actually works for me and allows me to grow what I want to grow and not sacrifice mm. everything else along the way. And I think what you said in wanting, we want things to grow quickly and and in many cases we need them to for you know, for financial reasons, for these other things that are so important. Um, but a lot of that that desire for things to grow so quickly, I think, can just come from our culture of instant gratification. We want, we are, we are so used to the messages that, you know, it overnight success and you can be whatever you want to be. Right. And we have all of these, you know, prominent, influential media examples mm-hmm. of of success that we don't, in many cases, we don't see the hard work behind that success. Yeah. But in, in many other cases, we're actually what's actually being promoted is that it wasn't hard work. Yeah. This was overnight. This was, you know, three steps to, to you know, your belly pooch being gone. Mm-hmm. And, and we're so attracted to that. Yeah. Yeah. So this long-term, this uh, or slow burn viewpoint I think has served you really well. And it's something that I, I think we're constantly trying to get entrepreneurs to know about inside Fizzler and to think like, and to learn, cause it's like a thing you have to learn how to think like for a lot of us, for you, you were raised on a, I mean, I picture that I think of this for you as, as easier than for others, but it's not think about, think about the, over the decade, the over a decade that I spent in real estate. Right. I mean, it wasn't easy for me. No. Think about, I left real estate twice. I was telling a friend that this week, you know, the first time I was, not ready the second time I was. He asked, would I ever go back? And I said, no, I've left twice. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I wasn't ready, the second time I was. I know I won't go back now. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, it, it wasn't easy for me. Yeah, you're right. And so it's not easy for any of us, maybe. Yeah. This is a thing we have to practice. This, this, this idea of that, like, cause I think about, you know, one of our points we're going to get into is talking about the iteration necessary, the, nece- the necessity of, iteration of pivoting of of learning and i guess it makes me think of this story i heard one this guy called paul stamets talk talk on joe rogan's podcast which is something i the listeners should know i i avidly kind of listen to a lot of joe rogan even though i try really hard not to because the truth is if you listen to two episodes of joe rogan in a month that's all the podcast time i have in a month because they're three hours long (laughs) each right so i pick and choose but one of the ones that i've listened to was this uh this guy who's a i forget what the name uh, of someone is who's a specialist in mushrooms but this is what his deal is uh like a biologist of sorts right um but uh, he talked about these, the way that, that um, these Japanese researchers created a, a little tiny model of, of Tokyo. 
right? All the main nodes in Tokyo, on all the main nodes in Tokyo, where like these main intersections or these main like places where uh, there's stuff that people like like thousands and thousands and thousands of people pass through every day. There was a little piece of nutrition on each one of those nodes on the map, and then they seeded it with like in one place with this bacteria. Okay, just stick with me now. I know we're on podcasts about entrepreneurship, but they seeded it with this bacteria. And the bacteria, which is like, you know, what it does, what bacteria does is it feeds and it grows and multiplies. It feeds and it multiplies, it feeds and it multiplies, it feeds and it multiplies. Um, so it, it immediately, immediately as they, they put it down, it like starts just kind of exploring in sort of all directions at once. Okay. Just sort of, just like this doesn't make any any sense sort of chaotic like just kind of and you almost get the it's almost like the like like if it had if it has 10 tentacles it uses all of them to go as far as it can to see like what's around me in this dark room because i don't have an eye and i can't see anything right and then then it completely sucks up regroups and within like a matter of i don't know how many hours it had totally redesigned tokyo's subway system to be more efficient than it currently is mm. just by nature of it reaching for the where the nutrients were right mm. i say this as a not first of all because it blew my mind when i heard about it i was like amazing but second of all because it's a lot like the it's a lot like starting a business you kind of, or like you kind of like for a while, you explode out into all directions, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and you're thinking about all sorts of different things. This is once you've had like the sense of like, I think I'd like to work for myself. And some of us live in that mode. That's it. That's all we'll, that's as far as we'll ever get. It's still worthwhile. At least we're asking the question, you know, we're making progress for us. But most of us, and I'd say damn near all of us don't want to stop there. We want to get a sense of like, oh, because what does the bacteria do, right? It's like, oh, wait, I, I, I can sense nutrition here in this direction, and I can sense it in this other direction, right? So it regroups and it sends everything in those two directions. And from there, now it almost like, it like kind of knows the nutrition it's, it's heading for as it's feeding on this current, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are those little bits that we get on our entrepreneurial journey where it's like, oh, wait, hold on, this is working. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is such a great way of thinking about the slow burn to me. Yeah. Is because it's just going to come in these little, like you're going to get this little like, so for you, as you think about Mother Birth, the podcast, what was like, what was, oh no, let's go to the course now. Like, let's just go like, like after launching this course or in the process of making this course, for example, because it started out as group coaching, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing, we're going to talk about how you came up with the idea in a second, because that's a really important thing. But just what was the first like moment in, like this could be during the call, after the call, before the call, the first group coaching thing that you started. What was the catalyzing sort of thing? Like, oh, I'm going to go in this direction. Yeah, I think... That really, really early on in the group coaching, by the time I was in the second week of the group coaching, I could already sense that the power of those sessions was really in the conversations and in the connections that were happening. That was like the nutrition. You were that like, was oh, the nutrition. There, this is good. There's something going on here. Yes. Power, you use the word power. Yeah, and I and I didn't quite yet know what that meant because I had still I was still really committed to this idea or this model of of 
you know, the group setting, but specifically delivering this content in that format or in mm. that context. And it wasn't until the start of the second group that I realized, oh, I, there, there's no reason these have to exist together. Mm -hmm. I can, they can, they can both exist yeah. in a, in a much more, digestible way because mm. really what was happening is, is I was teaching all what this specifically content. gets to b exist. Both so of them? I was teaching all uh -huh. of this content in these coaching sessions and the time that we had left, you know, the time that was interspersed throughout that teaching for the conversations, for the connections was limited because I felt and, and on some level did need to cover the material. So you had like slides material to get through yeah. and then there's some time at the end. We'll do question and answer. And no, you felt it was, and it, it wasn't time at the end. It was all, you know, engagement worked into okay. what I was teaching, yeah. but I just couldn't allow as much, conversation yeah. as much connection as as really organically needed to happen that felt like where the work was yeah and so i realized that well i can't ditch the content because they have to they have to get this yeah but i need to be able to facilitate you know these conversations the coaching part of it because really the the power and what i was also seeing in myself was that i'm i'm really i'm well designed for this facilitation mm. i'm really designed for these conversations and for asking the questions that helps that help these women to to look a lot deeper than they've been looking mm. and to see things that they haven't been seeing. So you're finding you're you're kind of good at this. You're yes. kind of built for this. Like, whoa, I'm good at this. They're trusting me and I'm not abusing or misusing them. Yeah. And, you know, and I'd been having these conversations with women for years, just obviously less formally and, and yeah. never in a group setting. And it was very very validating to be able to have this group conversation be so energetic yeah. and so connective. Mm -hmm. you know? And so then the, then what I pivoted to was separating the content, the material from the, you know, the connection from the conversation. So that was like a, that was like a first little like pivot that was like, Oh yeah. dude, I'm going to have, and the way that that, that took shape was you have now videos of the course training stuff yep. that they have to do before we have the group call or, or, exactly. you know, you've separated the two because the training is important, but the real work is, is when we start talking about these things together. Yep. Um, okay. That's a great example of just reaching, like looking, you're in kind of all directions. Then you head in this direction. Then it's like, okay, I, then you, you, I don't know, you get that, you get that realization Right. We can call it a pivot. It's not a pivot. It's an iteration yeah. uh, because you're not like, I mean, it is, it is a pivot, I guess. It's just like, oh, little subtle turn in direction. That means now instead of doing it, you know, like this, we're doing it like that. Quick break here for our sponsor. Uh, did you know that only one in three millenniums or as they're commonly called millennials in the United States owns a credit card today? That's why Sezzle, S-E-Z-Z-L-E, Sezzle created a cutting edge payment platform that enables shoppers to buy now and pay later like a credit card without the same financial pitfalls. So Sezzle allows shoppers to pay for purchases in four equal installments, completely interest free. Sezzle pays the merchant in full upfront 
and assumes all the payment repayment risk. Since launching last year, Sizzle has integrated with over 1,000 online stores, providing those stores with an average increase in sales of 7% and an average basket size lift of over 50%. So increase your online sales, all you online sailor people out there, by enabling your customers to shop now and pay later with Sezzle. Receive a free 30-day trial by going to sezzle.co slash fizzle. That's sezzle.co slash fizzle. Now, I want to go back to I want to go back to your idea for this course cuz I think there's a lot of there's a lot of medicine for a lot of us in the the thing that sparked this course idea for you the 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 thing that you saw like on facebook that inspired you to like oh well this is what i need to do yeah really i feel like there was a lot that led up to it and a lot of personal experience and conversations with people over the course of several years you know i think we are alluding to what this course is about but really the course is for women who have experienced pregnancy loss and want to trust their bodies again, whether they're currently Mm. pregnant or considering becoming pregnant. And I've been having those conversations with women for years. And so many people have asked me, you know, when I would, you know, offer a course or a class or a group or all of those things. And I had always been so, so held back by this really, really core belief or, you know, misbelief that, that that would be inappropriate, that that would be taking advantage of people, that that would be an abuse of the position that I was in. Why really was, specifically why? that it felt wrong to charge people mm. in pain. It felt wrong to do that. And, and I just hadn't yet stepped back enough from that belief to realize that my own life is full of, has been full of pain where people that I have paid have been able to help me Mm -hmm. and that there has never been anything that has felt wrong about that because I have sought and trusted those people and, and they did not take advantage of me or abuse that position of, of knowledge or power. Mm. And, and so the, the turning point for me was this, um, this Facebook post that a friend of ours had posted that, really was kind of a, an anomaly that I even saw it because his posts are something I typically ignore mm-hmm. as they contain, you know, all kinds of interesting and strange, strange things. But I, he basically said he was talking about, you know, what value means and, and what the exchange of value looks like in, in any kind of, any kind of business or any kind of service, any kind of offering. And then he said, you know, the thing, the most valuable thing that you can offer is the thing that has cost you the most to learn. And it was a long post. And somehow I had read through to the, to the near end where that statement was. And it just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was one of those super cliche moments where I read this thing on Facebook and was like, I know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> <laughs> so say the line again. The, the most valuable thing that you can offer, the most valuable thing you have to offer is the thing that has cost you the most to learn. And I just, I didn't even have to think for a moment about it. I knew exactly what that thing in my life is. Mm. And, and for me, you know, at the point that I had seen that, this was in November or December of last year, you know, six months prior, I had given birth to our daughter Etni at home and, you know, really experienced this, this revolutionary 
healing and and transformation in my own life that that allowed me to trust my own body again after the experience of multiple losses and and really truly had had metabolized that mm-hmm. trust and mm-hmm. and felt like it had it had become integral to who I was and and you know I've been sharing that story and that experience with women it's not like I'd been hiding it away or shutting it up but I realized like this is what I have to offer of the most value this mm-hmm. is the thing that has cost me the most to learn mm. and and I I can't keep it to myself mm. I can't just wait for you know the random conversations that happen i have to share this in a bigger way mm. and that was it was so powerful that i think you know ideas that had been percolating slowly in my mind for probably at that point years and in different forms or or intensities it went from that to within three weeks i had a rough outline started you know started pre I, I did the first group as a as a free beta launch but i started you know getting people into that group sold out immediately mm. and um and and just started doing it even though i only really had a rough draft and what was you know in my heart yeah quote unquote. yeah and and that was probably as an act of bravery and vulner- vulnerability for me personally as someone who you know, strives for perfection in, in everything that I do was, was hard to do, but I was, I was just so completely ready that, that moment that I had where I realized that this is, this is the most valuable thing I can offer and I have to offer it and Mm -hmm. people will, people will want it. It's, it is so valuable. People will want it. I just didn't question that anymore. I think I'd always questioned, would people actually want this? Is it valuable enough? And I remember just sitting there thinking like what I have to offer is totally valuable. Yeah. And people will totally want it, mm. Mm. and and that changed everything. Even when I got to the price of point or to the point of pricing, you know, it was still a little bit of a struggle to figure out how to price things. But I I just didn't that that core idea of oh like will people want it? Is it worth it? Is this too much? Was just kind of not that big of a hurdle for me. Well, then what? So like you were, you mentioning before the it doesn't feel right to charge people who are in pain. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably more than a few people in the in the, the fizzle show crowd who are making things that they really really care about and that they think is important for the consciousness of the world or for the for the people who are in pain. Yeah, right? something that addresses pain. Right, something that works with that kind of or for those reasons, even if it doesn't work exactly with it. So the, and the, and the question is oftentimes in business when you have a, you know, softer heart, which is how it should be, by the way, um, you can feel like, like it can be very, very hard to learn to, to, to price your thing, to get a level, of, to get a sense of what it's like to be someone in different pair of shoes on the other side of the internet. Um, looking at purchasing your thing, you know, what have you learned about like what changed that for you? I mean, it was, I, I, I just think that when, when you experience something that actually shifts something inside of you, like I had a core belief that I can't even charge people, let let alone like, would it be $29 or $49 or 149? It was like, I can't charge anything for this. So, when what what I experienced was such a fundamental shift from that to this idea that what I have to offer is valuable, and people will be willing to exchange 
value for that thing. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just didn't even matter what I decided. And even, even in the process of doing this, like now, right now I'm considering, you know, uh, other, other pricing structures and, you know, kind of, um, different tiers in the future. And I, I just like, don't, I kind of don't even care it. I just know that it's valuable mm. and that the, you know, the right price will be the right price and people will pay it, Yeah, you know? And I, and I haven't had trouble selling it so far. Yeah. Interesting. I love that. That's all. So, so getting back to this, I like this idea of the slow burn. I think that's a very important thing that people need to be thinking about in, in your story and in all of our stories, right? Something in Fizzle we've worked at very hard to make sure that anybody who goes through the roadmap, which is our main training thing, if you want to get our philosophy of doing business as well as exactly how to do it, it's in the fizzle roadmap, which I, I wish more, I wish everybody could do. Um, because you learned that, uh, that reality of the slow burn, you learn these mindset things that have to shift in order for you to find your own success, unless you're one of the incredibly outlying lucky ones, you know, that just like does, it does happen. You guys should get shirts made that say, I am fizzle. And so can you, I am fizzle. And so can you, so let's talk about you've made this course or you're making you're, you're thinking about making this course. You've got this sense of of um, conviction. That's what I hear of, of conviction and like, I know what it's about. I know it's going to be valuable to people. I know I have to do it. Yeah. You didn't sit on your ass. You no, didn't. It, it kind of created a sense of urgency and urgency in a way that that kind of disabled my need for perfection. Like mm -hmm. it was like, I just have to get this out in the world. And I had the advice of a few people, including you that I just needed to, I just needed to start doing that. I just needed to start creating and start putting the stuff out there. And, and I think that because I successfully did that with, what was the starting creating? What did you start with? I started with launching the group coaching, which mm -hmm. meant that for each session of the group, you know, I had to have a, a a layout of the content I was going to teach for that week. But I truly had an outline when I started and the content for that first week. And by the next week I had the content for that week. So you started, you, you did the group coaching like this too. This is interesting where you where so you like, were like, we're going to start the group coaching. That's what it seems like. That's how you started. Like you were like, we're going to do a group coaching around this. Did you charge any money for that? No, I did a free beta group the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I charged for the second group. Obviously by the time I had the second group, I had all the content, all the content. And, yeah. But I, but I also actually reworked quite a bit of it for the second group. After so just kind of the learning experience of the first one. Did you know how many weeks about your thing was going to go? I knew it was going to be four weeks. So I'd already mapped out the outline. I already knew it was four weeks. I already knew sort of what the themes and the topics okay. of each week were, but I still had to actually create, you know, the teaching outline for each session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and figure out what the questions, you know, the, the sort of engaging questions that I was going to ask would be how, how the group coaching component of it would go. Would work. So you, and you didn't write, you didn't have all the, all the content put together no. when you started it. I mean, like I said, this was th the group coaching started like three weeks after I had this moment on Facebook. <laughs> really? this, That's so great. Yeah. So three weeks after you're like, and in that three weeks, you've sketched out the outline for the whole thing. You know, it's going to be four weeks. 
And then, and that's when the group coaching started or that's when you announced it. No, I, how we did it was we launched it. We launched it right around Etney's birthday, which is in February. And so by the time I had like, yeah, I mean, it was probably a little bit longer than three weeks, but it was really at the start of the new year. And then, right. And then a few weeks later it launched. Okay. So the, um, and I just, I just want people to hear this idea again, that, that it's like you, you got, first of all, you had the idea. There was a sense of urgency. There was people in your life telling you like the fizzle roadmap can for everyone, even if you don't have entrepreneurial friends that like, Hey, you need to get something out. You need to get it out and you don't want, you don't need it to be perfect and you don't need to fiddle with a bunch of bull crap. You need to get the real thing out. The real thing is a sales page that is like, and, and promoting the crap out of it to your friends on Facebook just to get five people to sign up to do this mm-hmm. thing. The, that's the real thing. The next real thing is figuring out what you're going to, what you're, what you're going to say because you've, in order to make that sales page, you have to say you're going to go from this to that. Mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to, you're like this right now. Here's how you're going to be later. You don't know how to do this thing. Now you do know how to do this thing, right? Yeah. It's like, that's the transformation. That's the before and after. And the, the thing that like the story brand book is so great at. And the thing we teach you how to do in our, in our, uh, the eighty twenty copywriting sketch sheet, um, figuring out how to make that sales page. That's a, that's a big, that's a big part of it. I think that I honestly, that's normally the part at which I go like, okay, my work here is done. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. oh no, all the real work hasn't <laughs> begun yet. But that's the first step is that sales page, getting people in the door. And then you didn't write the content for next week's call until you've done this week's call for that first group. I think that's so amazing. Well, and I think that what ended up being so valuable about that and what allowed me to iterate so quickly was that I didn't have a ton of time and resources and energy invested yet and so as I was getting this real-time feedback as I'm going I'm I was just so capable of of implementing that feedback and mm-hmm. saying okay well let's change this let's change that because it doesn't matter I don't have next week's content ready yeah. yet anyway yeah. so now I'll just you know plug and play this mm-hmm. and change this around the second group I did I removed an entire session that I did the first time around do you feel like such a badass I mean, I don't know if badass is the word, but I definitely feel like I've flexed some muscles that I had never flexed before mm-hmm. because I've always operated from, from, I mean, I've, I'm pretty good at flying by the seat of my pants in a lot of ways, but, but I I'm, thought you were going to go, I mean, yeah, I feel like a badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. I'll, I'll take, I'll take that. Keep going. You said you're that. good at flying. You're, you're kind of yeah. good at flying by the seat of your pants, but I, but I tend to want all my I's dotted and T's crossed and mm-hmm. everything, you know, mapped out perfectly. And I'm a total systems tinkerer. So I will tinker with, you know, the the to-do list and the, you know, the program we're using and the format of this and the layout of the workbook and, you know, all of those things till the day runs dry and avoid the actual work of, of you know putting what? something. <laughs> you know what I think I've, I've learned about that is, is that we're all actually tinkerers yeah. and that we tinker because it's safe. Yeah, it's actually, it's kind of masturbatory. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's easy, it's safe, it's kind of pleasurable, mm-hmm. it, it's not vulnerable, mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't require any level of exposure. Mm-hmm. It's... You're kind of nailing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, what are you doing after this podcast? Anyways, <laughs> um, the, 
So I want, but but I I want to I want to say how much I was impacted by. It's interesting how I was so ready. I had so learned this lesson of kind of creating and just getting the content out there and moving forward, even though everything mm-hmm. wasn't mapped out. But I was still ready to go back to the comfort and safety of you know when it came. I realized in the second group course or in the second group session that I wanted to separate out the content and do an online course, Uh you know, separate from the coaching. And I was like, so ready to settle back into the mindset of let's get this whole thing mapped out perfectly. You know, it'll, I'll put it all together. We'll launch it in the fall, blah, 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 blah. We were in Nashville when I was considering all of this and Mm -hmm. starting to kind of think about it in my head. And we were hanging out one evening with a guy who is a pretty prolific course maker who said, and he didn't know that I had done this with the group coaching the first time around. Mm -hmm. He said to me, he said, just launch it now. And, and then you'll have a deadline. You won't have any choice, but to create that content for, you know, if you're doing a six week course, which is what I ended up doing, Mm -hmm. you like, you will have to have week one ready to go and Mm -hmm. you'll have to have week two ready to go. And, and, and you'll, you'll force yourself to create that content. And I was so ready to, to settle back into something, you know, that felt a lot safer than that. And I think because I just had that experience of the really iterative quality of the way I launched the group coaching, I was, I just took his advice and went for it. And so I, I put together a landing page in like a week and started, you know, talking about it. And, you know, when I launched the course, it wasn't all, it wasn't all ready and only enough that, that had to be ready was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as we we're coming close to our close here, um, but we still got some time. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about when you started. Okay. So you got, what I love about this is you got the, you got the heat turned up. we got a little bit of urgency going on. We're just like, why don't we just like announce it now, sell it now and then make the course. There was a lot, there's a lot of steps involved in making the actual content of a course. Yeah. There's like, and one in particular is, is figuring out like, how are you going to host and sell this course? It's really hard when your husband will edit your videos for you. That's right. I had taught you guys, I taught her how to, I am a, I am a filmmaker now guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the top. Final cut pro. <laughs> Final cut pro. Uh, First he made me edit my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But I think that what you, were and are teaching me in that is so valuable. I yeah. know how to do those things now. I don't plan to, I don't, I no longer edit my podcast. Mm-hmm. I do not plan to edit my videos for much longer, mm-hmm. but I know now what that takes. And I know when I'm asking something of someone else, I know what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you have a sense of how the sausage is made. Like, you know, yeah. what, what you can do on video and what you, and that as a, when you're in front of the camera, that changes how you react. That yes. When you've edited your own stuff, it changes how you, dis- how you, how you do things to camera. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so important. Cause I mean, I just, I should say that like, I, I think it needs to be said that being able to do things to camera is a very big asset in today's day and age, whether or not you're like the world's shiniest snowflake, right? Like I tend to be on camera or if you're just straight ahead or if you're softer or if you're wherever you land, just being able to do it, having something in hand to deliver in a way that isn't like pulling teeth. Yeah. And I think that the, the tip there is just that it takes practice, you know, in, in filming a six session course, 
that each session has, you know, five to eight videos, mm-hmm. I've gotten much, 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 much better at it yeah. and much more comfortable. That's like how many, how many days of video recording was this? Six. Six days. Yeah. So in six days, effectively, along with the editing, I think the, I think the editing teaches us. Yeah. I think when you, and with, in Final Cut Pro, you can just edit. It's just utterly simple. You cut, you cut, and you delete what you're taking out. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's actually quite simple to use, it, it, but it, it takes people a lot to get it set up and stuff. But I think in the editing, you learn. In the editing, you learn, oh, I wish I wouldn't have moved like that. Or I wish I wouldn't, like, geez, I really say um a lot. Or, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's when you have enough urgency and force behind you and motivation as well as momentum behind you to actually get those things out and just go, well, it's not perfect now. Again, slow burn, slow mm-hmm. burn, slow burn. It's not perfect now, but but it's it's good enough. Because why? Because I know that the content is in there and the content is good. The value is there. Even if it could be shinier, even if it could be prettier, even if it could be set up better or this, that, or the other, it could be quicker, it could be more professional. And even though, right, the values are, the value's there. Yeah. The value's really there. So what about, like, one of the things that I see happen a lot to entrepreneurs is, like we were talking about, the fiddling. Yeah. The fiddling. This masturbatory fiddling. Oh, I'm going to research what platform i'm gonna host my course on yeah. oh this one does this oh but that one does that oh this one costs this much oh but does that one integrate with this thing mm-hmm. does that do this that, and the other mm-hmm. did you get lost in there yeah that's really really tricky for me and one thing and i know that this isn't necessarily possible for every person but i ended up hiring an assistant to help me with sort of the actual course you know integ- integration and launch side mm-hmm. of it and my conversation with her up front looked like I need to just create content mm-hmm. and I need to to be able to focus on that and to to really have sort of this constraint mm-hmm. on me fiddling. Yeah. Like I need you to just tell me what I need to do and when I need to be there. And and I'm not talking I you know it's not a full-time assistant it's not it wasn't even very expensive to have her help me do this. But it really changed everything for me because I would have spent so much more time fiddling and tinkering with, you know, Teachable versus Thinkific and, mm-hmm. you know, Crowdcast versus Zoom and, yeah. you know, what integrates with what, like you said, and how, you know, what, how are we going to do the email sequences and yeah how, you know, all of that. And instead of figuring out how we're going to do them, you know, she would just tell me, well, we need eight emails and I need you to get them to me by this date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was really valuable for me to to have that forced focus that's an i mean hearing that how she did that was like it's a it's a real interesting job Mm -hmm. like what you're basically doing is you're hiring you're like you could call it a coach almost or a mentor Uh, it's kind of a just built-in accountability and and but it like it has this framework there where it's like i need eight emails well why are we doing eight do you know about this content do you know? It's like, well, no, because the sequence needs eight emails. Yeah. And so it's a little bit like just cut like in from a, and it might not be the best way to do things, but at least it's something. <laughs> you well, know? that's the thing. You can also, you can spend an, an infinite amount of time deciding whether to do eight emails or nine. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and I mean, you have coached me on this probably more than anyone. 
like it doesn't really matter. Like mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to tweak it anyways. Already I wrote so many emails. Already I I'm completely tweaking the whole launch promotion mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah. And so I don't in any way regret the emails that I wrote because I have so much content I can use mm-hmm. and you know a lot of it will we will reuse in its current state. But but yeah, it's just it doesn't matter whether your launch sequence has four emails or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what did, what do you say to people about this shiny object thing or this fiddling? I mean, but I mean, you've really kind of, you've kind of already put the nail in the coffin when with your little line about how masturbatory it is. Unvulnerable. Yeah. Unexposed. What else did you say? Pleasurable. Pleasure, kind of pleasurable. <laughs> I think it's very safe to be, a, to be comparing and contrasting which, which flat platform to do it on to be, you know, it fiddling. Is, it's fun. It, it, it's, I think, I think that, you know, I think it releases endorphins. There's this kind of really, um, titillating, like mm-hmm. I can figure this out. It's like a puzzle to solve yeah. and you just keep adding pieces, which is, which is, you know, a complex pattern for your brain to solve. Mm-hmm. And it's un- unfortunately it's a useless puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can't, but I mean, I, but the, 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 the thing about it is it's shrouded in meaning. Yeah. It's like, this is me making my course. Here I am making my course. Right. There I am scrolling on the page, learning about the thing. This well, is making and my course. Well, any good sales page is going to convince you that it does matter which platform you choose or which hosting thing you choose yeah. or, you know, yeah. and so we're being bombarded on a, you know, on a, on another chemical level in our brains yeah. <laughs> that is almost impossible to turn off, which is a big part of why, you know, this is kind of applicable to what we're talking about. When I work with women around loss or around anxiety or any of these things, I actually have them sign a no Google contract. Like you're not allowed to be on the internet with the exception of, you know, and not allowed is a strong word, but it's really this idea that in more information is not going to soothe your anxiety. More information is not going to solve your problem. It's not going to answer this this question that you have. Yeah. At some point, you have to say like enough is enough, and it and at that level, it really is just a willpower question. Some questions need information to answer, though. Of course, but I'm I'm talking about this right. exact thing we're talking about. Like, are you? Are like we you, don't figure out what whether to put unleaded or diesel into our car by praying about it right no that's true we just ask well in oregon you just rely on the yeah in oregon in oregon we don't we uh we are not allowed to pump our own gas you guys it's like illegal they have people working there to do it i don't know i still don't understand why um so where were we just before then because <laughs> I was I, I was liking it. We were talking about the actually. I think the no Google policy is very weird. That's why I clarify that with like because some people are going to hear that and go like, what, what is this archaic weirdo stuff? Yeah. But it's because you're talking about things. Yeah. That- well, uh, well, let let me let me kind of clarify that. You know, when when you're talking about when you're talking about something as sensitive as like what is wrong with my body, mm-hmm. like what is broken about me. And you start Googling the kinds of things that people Google in <laughs> totally. that state of mind. What do you think is going to come up? Totally. What do you think is going to come up? Like yeah. in, in 10 seconds, you'll be, you'll be convinced you have, you know, cancer, a brain tumor and, you know, endometriosis. Yeah. And it's, it's not helpful. And, and so really what it's about is it's about establishing healthy ways of obtaining information and healthy ways of assessing information instead of just always looking for more because that's what we do we we want 
we think more is more mm-hmm. and, and usually less is more, mm-hmm. you know, it's like yeah. Tim Ferriss. He talks about the information diet. And I think that that has been super helpful to me. We've, we've worked on that so many times over the years, you know, in the early days of, of mothering for me, when I was dealing with such severe anxiety, I had to like not be on the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, you were a lot though. I, but I, but I got better at so it. So much so we had a nickname for it. I called it ribbon on some forms. Yeah, Ridden but I got for, better I don't know, at it. I don't know why we... Because you're on forum, forums, yeah. right? You're, you ribbons and forums. <laughs> I was just forms. constantly asking. And I got better at it. You got, you got so good at it. Anymore. You don't rib forms. I don't rib any forms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, Melissa Reeves, I think that's where we have to call it. Um, listen, you guys, if you liked listening to Melissa, will you reach out to her on what's the best place for them to reach out to you? Well... On my website, motherbirth.co, and you can also follow us on motherbirth.co, on Instagram, motherbirth.co. You should be warned that there are a lot of pictures of babies coming out of vaginas on that account, so if that's not your deal, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, there's like, I know of like 15 women who are like, I'm running there now! (laughs) If that is your thing, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to there straight to instagram yeah and that's where you're building your audience your your main sort of that and the podcast are your main audiences yeah the podcast and the conversations that we have on instagram our instagram community is really really engaged and really robust and if if someone listening to this is interested in the course for their own you know for their own personal needs um you can just go to motherbirth.co and on the uh, the course section you'll see you'll be able to access the trust your body again trust course. your body again course you just hear that guy she just did a great job pit- pitching pitching her own thing just a uh, little little promo little bit at the end there hey i'm a i'm a guest on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> you're a force to be reckoned with is what you are <laughs> thank you for being here melissa reeves thank you for having me okay you guys that is episode what is this 275 of the fizzle show it is for all the show notes and links on this conversation you can go to fizzle show.co slash 275 that's fizzleshow.co slash 275. Wasn't my wife great? Go check out her stuff, Mother Birth. Go say hi to her on Instagram and just say that you enjoyed it. Um, tell Corbett and Steph how much you miss them. But uh, but uh, thanks for having Lisa on, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Reach out. Tell us what you thought. This is obviously a weird thing for us. We've never done it like this before, so hopefully you enjoyed it. Thanks, you guys, for watching so much. As always, find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.